0: Jai Radha Amar Harawa Kunjabi Hai Jai Radha Amar Harawa Kunjabi Hai गोपीजन बाला बाबा dhari धारी बाला बाबा किरीवार गांव गोपीजन Jivara da, jyeshoda nanda na, raja jana rana jana. Jyeshoda Te Ravan
1: Jamunatira
0: Banachari Jaya Rajamar Rava, rava <coughs> raja Kanjavi Hari Ramar Rava Jayadhama Bhadhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janavallava Kirivar Dhari
1: Vidhanaha
0: Gopi Janam Abba, koran nanana raj janaran jana jamuna tirabana chari koran nanana Jai Radha Marava Kunjabi Hari Jai Radha Marava Kunjabi Hari Kunjabi Shri Sri Adha Mahadava Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki je Shri Radha Kalachanji ki je Gaur Bhaktavrinda Taigo Premanandi Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Śrīmad-te-bhokti-bhedanta-śāmini-ti-namane
2: Namaste-śarśati-deve-gaurabhāni-puccharine deve gaurabhani Pucharine nivise susunyavari We're reading from Srimad-Bhagavatam, First Canto, Chapter 11, Text
0: 13. Om Namo Bhagavati Bhāsudevāya Om Namo Bhagavate Bhāsudevāya Om Namo Bhagavate Bhāsudevāya Om Namo
2: Bhagavate Bhāsudevāya So this chapter is entitled Lord Krishna's Entrance into Dwaraka. And today's verse is, uh, yesterday's verse... Described, uh, let me read yesterday's verse, give us some context. The city of Dwarka was filled with the opulences of all seasons. There were hermitages, orchards, flower gardens, parks and reservoirs of water, breeding lo- lotus flowers all over.
1: Hmm.
2: So yesterday's purport... Uh, Describes the beauty of Dwarka. Unlike modern cities, wherever you look, you would see parks and gardens, ponds, lotus flowers. No factories. One time Prabhupada said, factory is another name for hell. Synonym for hell. So we're on text 13. (laughs) Gopurā Vora, Margeshu,
0: Krita, Kotuka, Paranam, Chitra, Dvaja, Patta Antaha, Pratiha Thathapam, upara dvakamageshu kutakho dukathoranam thor graya Gopurā dhvaramāgeshu
2: Kṛta-kho-tukta-uranāṁ dvaja
0: anta prati dhvaramāgeshu
2: Chita-kho-tuk-to-ranam
0: ध्वजा chita anta prati Dvora Margeshu Prita-Kotukka-Toranam Prita-Tagra-Pathaka-Gay Word meanings? Gopura
2: The gateway of the city. Dvora Door. Door. Margeshu. Margeshu. On different roads. On different road. Krita. Krita. Undertaken. Undertaken. Kotuka. Because of, because of the festival. Toranam. Toranam. Decorated. Decorated. Art. Excuse me. Decorated arch. Chitra. Painted dvaja flags, pataka agrai, by the foremost signs, antaha within, pratihata checked, atapam sunshine, the city gateway. The household doors and festoon arches along the roads were all nicely decorated with festive signs like plantain trees and mango leaves, all to welcome the Lord. Flags, garlands, and painted signs and slogans all combined to shade the sunshine. Would you like to repeat You can do this at your next festival. The city gateway, the household doors, and festooned arches along the roads were all nicely decorated with festive signs. These are the festive signs. Plantain trees. Did you know plantain tree is a festive sign? Mango leaves, another festive sign. All to welcome the Lord. Flags, garlands, and painted signs and slogans, all combined to shade the sunshine. Who knows what slogans were on those signs? Anybody know? You want to guess? Um, maybe welcome. Welcome, Lord Sri Krishna. Welcome back to Dwarka. We love you, Krishna. Yes, something like that. Report Signs of decoration in special festivals were also collected from the gifts of nature such as the plantain trees the mango trees fruits and flowers mango trees coconut palms and plantain trees are still accepted as auspicious signs the flags mentioned above were all painted with pictures of either garuda or hanuman so we're getting yeah that was good the two great servitors of the Lord. For devotees, such paintings and decorations are still adored. And the servitor of the Master is paid more respects for the satisfaction of the Lord. Hare Krishna. And that also makes Krishna happy. So, I don't know if you heard this story. It's, a, it's quite funny. Tudananda was speaking at one Pandal program, I think. Prabhupada couldn't come or during the day devotees would speak, at night Prabhupada would speak. And so. forget exactly how he said this but he was saying that all your wealth should be spent for Krishna but now you're spending it on gold earrings and bangles and those are actually should be used in Krishna's service. So people started coming up, pulling off their gold earrings and bangles and putting them on the stage. So he came back with a pile of gold earrings and bangles. And they told Prabhupada, and Prabhupada started laughing. He said, I've been preaching all around the world for so many years, and I was never able to do this. And my disciple, Achudananda Maharaj, he was able to do this. So Prabhupada was so happy that his disciple, at least in this way, had outdone him. And so um, there's another. Purport, you may remember this purport where Prabhupada's talking about the moon, the disciple who's like the moon. and Prabhupada becomes very humble and he says that maybe uh, I pray not maybe, I pray that one of my disciples will become like a moon, pure devotee, and he can take me back to Godhead. So, you know, in the material sense, people don't want to be outdone, especially by juniors. But when there's love, then there's pleasure when the person you love outdoes you, isn't it? So, um, Prabhupada was always happy to see the success of his disciples. And in a similar way, I always think if something makes Prabhupada happy and it doesn't make me happy, then there's something wrong with me. Sometimes we do not like a devotee simply for the fact that he did better than we did. I don't like you. Why? Because you're better than, you're better than me. That's why I don't like you. I mean, you know, you would think that's why you would like someone because they have greater intelligence or skills or so forth. And so sometimes a devotee may do something, we don't like. Even it's not something good. Maybe something we don't estimate as good, we don't like it. And I always think, uh, is that devotee is there? Is there devotional service dear to prabhupada? Because if it is, or if it was, you may say, well, it was, but it's not dear now, which that is debatable. But is this devotee dear to Srila Prabhupada? And you don't want to. Dislike or what to speak of offend anyone who's dear to Prabhupada. That's for sure. So, you know, sometimes you may see a devotee, a disciple of Prabhupada, uh, and you may say, but I don't see him doing this or doing that. But often we know that that person rendered very intimate service to Prabhupada. It was, he was very dear to Prabhupada. So, to be unkind in any way to that devotee, it's not good. So now we have something we know quite well that when the devotee is pleased, Krishna is pleased. There is an amazing story. I didn't even hear this story until maybe a month ago. Maybe I heard it and I didn't pay attention. There was a disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta and Prabhupada said that during the lifetime of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, this disciple was responsible for managing the movement and making Srila Bhakti Siddhanta known all over India and bringing Gaudiya Math, 64 moths in India and I think maybe one in Nepal or something. So, at the same time, he was scheming that when Srila Bhakti Siddhanta leaves, I will become the owner, proprietor of the main temple, the Chaitanya Mat in the birthplace of Yogapita. And the disciples knew that. He had taken money. Bhaktisiddhanta was told he's taking money. And Bhaktisiddhanta said, yes, but if I had to pay somebody as good as him, it would be more expensive than the money he's taking. And so, as we were told, that money was being taken, and he was educating his son to become a lawyer, so when when Bhaktisiddhanta would leave, he would have a good lawyer, so he could... As we heard, uh, they were fighting in court. Still, I, when Prabhupada wrote in the seventies, he said, "Still, it's in court. Court system is a bit slow in India." So that's like forty-five years or something unsettled. I guess it, you know, it's the lawyer good for the lawyers or their sons or by now grandsons, I guess, or great-grandsons. But anyway, um, Prabhupada wanted his help. And he wouldn't give his help. And later on, when Prabhupada was successful, he wouldn't really acknowledge it. And Prabhupada said, "It seemed like he he wanted to take credit that I sent A.C. Bhaktivedanta to, to the West, so it's my credit." You know, things like this. And Prabhupada said he he was not appreciated by his uh, by the other God brothers because he was siphoning money and 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 had his his. um his own agenda. And Prabhupada had said some unkind things about him being offensive to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. And when he uh, left his body, this devotee, it was reported to Prabhupada and Prabhupada said he went back to Godhead. And the devotees were shocked. He said, how is that possible? Prabhupada said, because Srila Bhakti Siddhanta accepted his service, he went back to Godhead. So, you know, we may see another devotee and we may think he's rascal number one, maybe rascal number two, maybe in the top ten rascals in the universe. We may think like that, right? But if a pure devotee accepts his service or speaking in the first person or third person, if a pure devotee accepts our service, whatever rascal we may be, Krishna accepts it. So, Sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm not a very good devotee. I have so many faults. I lack in so many ways. I fall short in so many ways. But Prabhupada's merciful. So he accepts the sincere attempt of any devotee. And so a little sincere service, Prabhupada accepts it or your spiritual master accepts it. You're good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your fallen condition. I mean, you can worry about, yeah, it's a concern, but if, if Prabhupada is happy with our service, then that's it. That's it. So, um, I think another thing that falls in this category is the sixteen rounds and four regulative principles. There's a letter, and Prabhupada said, sixteen rounds is not very much. He actually, he actually said it's nothing. Someone comes up to you and says, well, I finished my 16 rounds by 6 o'clock this morning. He's all excited and you, you rain on his parade. Prabhu, that's nothing. You know, Get a life, that's nothing. So Prabhupada <laughs> said, Prabhupada said, in India, um, 25 is like, you know, minimum. If you're worth anything, you'll chant 25. And he said, Sixty-four said a lot of devotees chant one hundred and twenty-eight, so that would be like fourteen between fourteen and seventeen hours, depending how much coffee you drink. No, only kidding. Um, so, <laughs> some devotee says, "Prabhu, I chant my sixteen rounds in an hour and fifteen minutes." Like you're not drinking coffee, you know? You, it's not possible. Now, one devotee said fifty-five minutes, sixteen rounds. Either you're drinking a lot of coffee or you failed your math class. Yeah, it's only eight, not sixteen. So um so Prabhupada said sixteen is nothing. And then he said, But if you chant sixteen and follow the principles, for principles I promise you'll go back to Godhead in this lifetime. And devotee said, Prabhupada, that's it? Like, you know. What else? You know, you have to distribute 100 Bhagavad Gita's every week, you know, you have to do pujari service, you have to read Bhagavatam ten times, you have to open ten temples like that. Then, the Prabhupada said, no. Sixteen rounds, four principles. And the devotees were doubting he said, and said, Prabhupada, they asked, like, again, Prabhupada, nothing else. Prabhupada slammed his fist and said, sixteen rounds, four principles, I will take you back to Godhead. So, you know. You can look at the 25, the 64, the 128. But if Prabhupada says 16, you do this and this and you please me, then you go back to Godhead. So there's a devotee. Uh, quite a foolish devotee. He wandered over to Radhakund, which is a nice place to wander if you're qualified, and not a nice place to wander if you're not. So he wasn't qualified. Uh, one time Devotee wanted to go to Radhakund. And Prabhupada said that if you commit sin in Vrindavan, you'll take birth as a dog or a hog or a monkey. Because that way, whatever you do is not considered sinful in the animal body. And as we know, there's a lot of hogs and monkeys and dogs in the holy places. And they're rolling in the dust, getting purified, and then they go back to Godhead. So one devotee wanted to go to Radhakund, live there. And Prabhupada said, you don't need to go, there's already enough monkeys there. Like you're gonna go and you're gonna meet some lady and coochie coochie and in your next life you'll become a monkey. So So Prabhupada, you know, he's cautionary about it. Anyway, this one devotee went there. And he said he got infected and so he took another guru. And he wrote Prabhupada a letter for blessings to take another guru from Radhakun. Like, you know. As we say sarcastically, some screws were loose. You imagine. Srila Prabhupada, can I, that you've told me not to associate with Radhakun Babaji's. Now I found one to be my guru. Can you give me your blessing? Like, something's not working right up there, right? And and so this Radhakarana Babaji said, if you do not chant 64 rounds a day, you cannot go back to Godhead. Okay, so now we have a different instruction. So this devotee, unfortunately, was convinced, he had taken shelter of this Radha Radhakunda Babaji, and he wrote another foolish letter. Maybe it was the same foolish letter. He said, Shri the Prabhupada, unless you chant 64 rounds a day, you can't get prema. Can you imagine telling Prabhupada? Because Prabhupada was not chanting 64. It's kind of like saying, Prabhupada, you can't get it. Or maybe he's not saying that, but he's saying your disciples can't get it. The Prabhupada said, you cannot force Krishna to give you prema just by doing something. Like 32, 16, 64. Maybe I get one twenty eight, then it's like, you know, get five gold stars guaranteed, get the gold chariot back to Godhead. You know, get the red carpet when I get there. You know, if you do sixteen, it's just the back door, you know. That's all, you yeah. know. So <laughs> Prabhupada said it's not like that. You You just do something and it happens. So Prabhupada told us 16. And there was one devotee who was chanting 64 during Prabhupada's time. So you would think, okay, 64 is four times better than 16. It is, as long as that's what your guru wants you to do. But if he doesn't, it's not four times better, it's four times worse, or three times, depending on how you do the math. So, what this devotee was doing was he was not associating with the other devotees because for him to chant sixteen rounds, if he, if he was spending too much time with the devotees, then you know there would be service and there would be talking. How are you doing? What's going on? And like that. So he stayed aloof. And the devotees were saying, you know, Prabhupada, so and so, he's he actually built a tree house in Mayapur, living in the tree house. Prabhupada didn't say anything. Sometimes Prabhupada <coughs> didn't didn't want to get into it. But um, the devotees probably Tamal Krishna or So I think, you know, like, but Prabhupada, you know, it's like we want Prabhupada to say something. But Prabhupada, he's he's not associated with devotees. And then then he said, maybe I'm not sure if Tamal Krishnamurti or somebody. He said, but well, Prabhupad, he wants to chant 64. And Prabhupada said, as soon as you say I want, it's Maya. Isn't that interesting? Because when they pushed Prabhupada, they found out that Prabhupada didn't want him to do that. Now, you know, if you're 80 years old, and, you know, that's a different thing. And you're qualified to do it, and your body's too weak to do anything else. But at that point in time, Prabhupada did not want his disciples to do that. Unless they could, you know, sleep um, a few hours less, okay. You know, if you can sleep like two hours a night, then you can do 64. Don't reduce your service. So, we have another story. All stories, very interesting stories. Ruta kirti he's Prabhupada's servant. You will, you will like this instruction. Unfortunately, it's not for you, but you will like this instruction anyway. But you can't follow it. It's, even though Prabhupada said it, it's not for you. Sruti Kirti, he's Prabhupada's personal servant, and so he's meant to always be with Prabhupada. And one morning, only one morning, he went to Mongal Artik, Prabhupada rang the bell, like you know, four forty, you know. I think Hari Kish was there. Where is Srutikirti? Kirti? And he goes, He's in Mangal Arthik. Bring him back. Prabhupada gives him the instruction never go to Mongal Arti. you like that instruction? Not for you, sorry. So you know, Prabhupada gives gives an instruction to all of us, go to Mangalartik. And he gives this disciple, don't ever go to Mangalartik. And if you go to Mangalartik, you're disobeying the order of your spiritual master. And Prabhupada said, your duty is to stay with me 24 hours a day. That's your duty as personal servant. So it's not going to please me if you go to Mangalartik. Another similar story, Sutta Kirti, was seeing how blissful the Sankirtan devotees were. They'd come back from book distribution and they'd be like, you know, the sun had just walked into the room, big smiles, bright. So he wanted to go out. He was feeling like, he was getting the bug. Prabhupada, can I go on Sankirtan, distribute books? Prabhupada said, yes, but without my blessings. So, you know, the thing the thing that's most dear to Prabhupada more than anything, distributing his books. And this devotee will go out on book distribution and get no blessings, probably get blessings taken away for, you know, offending his guru by leaving him alone. Right? Another story. We were told that a sannyasi asked Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur if he could do Ganga Parikrama, which I don't know how long that takes. And all the I mean, to do the whole Ganga, that's like wild, all the way to Gangotri and down to the where it merges in the ocean. You know, wow. And so Bhakti Siddhanta said no. Didn't want him to do it. Somehow, I don't know why. He felt it was necessary or maybe he didn't take that no from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta as an absolute no. Anyway, he did it. As the story is told, when he returned, after how how long that would take, I don't know, a year or more, two, um, you know, pretty austere, then mm-hmm. Bhaktisiddhanta took away his sannyas. Krishna. So it's like, one hand you're doing austerity, one hand you're doing what Shastra says. But if it's not pleasing Prabhupada, then you're actually, by doing devotional service, and you're you're doing devotional service that is displeasing, disobeying, possibly even offending. And so, so as Prabhupada said, it's not, you just, you chant 64 rounds, bingo, prema, in three days, guaranteed. No, it doesn't work like that. So, this is such an important principle. Now, When Prabhupada took his disciples to India, they were criticized a lot. Why? Because they had no cult. We didn't have culture. We didn't know, you know. I mean, we had culture. It was American culture, which is not considered culture by Indians. You know, as Gandhi said, what do you think of Western culture? He said, yeah, it would be a good idea. So, you know, the Indians, you know, you know, American, of course now the Indians like American culture, because you can, you know, I mean, I don't want to put down American culture entirely. Uh, Prabhupada appreciated the beautiful roads and everything is clean and with lots of money and so He really liked America. But, you know, the, the certain aspects of the Vedic culture we didn't know. We eat with our left hand. We pronounce all the Sanskrit hodgepodge, and uh, you know, etc. So sometimes the devotees would be criticized for uh, lack of of that Vaishnava etiquette and culture, and and just general lack of understanding of Vaishnavism, and 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 as a consequence, some kind of uh, sometimes improper behavior. So when they were criticized. Prabhupada did not he did not defend their actions by saying, No, they're they're okay. He said, Yes, I know. I mean Prabhupada knew who we were. He knew who he was dealing with. He said, but they will do whatever I ask them to do. And so Prabhupada was seeing that qualification infinitely more infinitely greater than any so called cultural proper etiquette. One time, Koshalya Devi Dasi was chanting uh, Isopanishad or something, Sanskrit. And some Sanskrit, maybe not a Sanskrit scholar, but someone who knew Sanskrit said, um, Prabhupada, she's chanting, in, she's not pronouncing correctly. And Prabhupada said, Yes, I know said, but she has more devotion than you will ever be able to get in a million lifetimes. So, because Prabhupada's disciples were willing to do whatever he asked, in Prabhupada's mind, they were the greatest devotees. They were the greatest Vaishnavas. Not because of any other qualification. Because they were willing to please him. And that was and that was for us how we also felt. Like, I may be this or that. I don't have any love for Krishna. But somehow or other, I'm so attracted to Prabhupada, I'll do whatever he asks. That's how we felt. And that was our greatest qualification. Or maybe you could say the only qualification. Kind of, I think that's more accurate than the greatest qualification. The only qualification. Prabhupada said it. You know, why do I do it? Because he said it. Why do I do it? Because I know he'll be happy. And so Prabhupada appreciated. Then Prabhupada said another thing which is quite interesting. He said, If you follow the perfect instruction of the spiritual master, you are perfect. Wow. We have been criticized, especially the higher you go up in the ranks of ISKCON. If you go up in the ranks, be prepared, ladies and gentlemen, to be criticized. If you don't want to be criticized, just hide in your house and don't do anything. Come out of your house and you do something, you'll probably get criticized. And The higher up you go in the ranks, the more likely you'll be a target of criticism. And so... And so it came to pass that many of the leaders of Iskon were criticized as not being advanced or being imperfect, or as Isa uh, as Nectar of Instruction says, for, for not being sufficient to guide their disciples. They're only Kanishka or Madhyam for third or second class devotees. And here Prabhupada says, if you follow the perfect instructions of the spiritual master, what you do is perfect and what you say is perfect. That's a lot different philosophy, isn't it? Much different. You know, how can my guidance be insufficient if I'm giving the guidance of someone who's perfect? I haven't been able to figure that one out yet. It's not insufficient. It's only insufficient if you're if you're not being guided by a perfect source. Then you are insufficient until you're utama. But even the Kanishta, the first day you come to Iskon, and you know more than the person on the street after one day. And your knowledge is perfect. So in that sense, you're perfect. So that is how Prabhupada saw us. You may be rascal number one, but you're willing to repeat what I said and you're willing to do what I said, therefore you're perfect. Your knowledge is perfect, you're pleasing you're pleasing me. Now You all know this story. It's a very interesting story. Well, maybe you all don't know. Most of you know. Prabhupada uh, always spoke to his grihasta couples, stay together, don't get divorced. And it didn't always work because they didn't always get along. And one leading devotee had divorced his wife and then written Prabhupada a letter saying that he was going to marry or wanted to marry another woman. Uh, probably writing Prabhupada to get some approval or something. I don't know why you would write Prabhupada and tell him. unless I guess he felt that he couldn't do it unless Prabhupada would agree. And Prabhupada agreed, which never happened before. And everywhere in his books he said, don't do it. Now he's agreeing to it. So Kirti said, why did you agree? And he said... Because I could tell from the tone of his letter that he was going to do it. And if I told him not to do it, and he did it, he would be disobeying me. Whereas if I tell him it's okay, and I know he's going to do it, then he's not disobeying me. So how concerned was Prabhupada for his disciples that he wouldn't even give an instruction that he felt they couldn't do or they would disobey? Isn't that amazing? Because if they did, Krishna would see, oh, you're not following the order of your guru. Isn't that interesting? Some of you have heard this story before, but think about it. That is so much mercy. And we also have these examples in which a devotee would report to Prabhupada that I've done this or I've done that. And sometimes it was quite Significant, and sometimes not. And Prabhupada's general answer was, I'm very pleased with your service. Please continue in this way. So if Prabhupada was pleased with your service, whatever it was, you, know, you you opened a little preaching center and five people came and you had kirtana prasad. Thank you very much. I'm so pleased with your service. Please continue. Expand in this way. Krishna will be pleased with you. You didn't do much. You just found an apartment and, you know, put a little ad in the paper and had a Sunday feast. It's not that difficult. And Prabhupada's saying, I'm pleased. So, letter after letter after letter, I'm pleased, I'm pleased, I'm pleased. It's so easy to please Prabhupada. I asked Srutta Kirti, what displeased Prabhupada the most? Because we should know that, right? Because we want to please him. And you sweep the temple here, you're pleasing Prabhupada. You do some little something, something. You chant your rounds, you're pleasing Prabhupada. What displeased him? And Sri Kirti said the thing that Prabhupada was most concerned about was philosophical deviation. Appa-siddhanta. Concoction. That we would, we would, um, either be contaminated by sahajiya philosophy, um, or in some way misinterpret Prabhupada's instructions or the instructions of Shastra, and that would destroy. That would destroy the Iskan movement. It would put poison in. So that's what he was concerned with. So then we go back to: you follow my instruction, you're perfect. So, and uh, you don't follow my instruction. Pretty much, you can ruin everything. So, if we're just simple devotees. Just trying to simply follow Prabhupada. And then Prabhupada accepts our service. That's it. Everything's good. He could be rascal number one, like this other devotee. But he did service to Bhakti Siddhanta. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta accepted that service and he went back to Godhead, to the astonishment of everyone. That's amazing. Isn't it? So. Hare Krishna. So Prabhupada comes mercifully and he accepts the service of everybody. And that is how we have become Krishna conscious. He accepted every sincere devotee's attempt. And he saw the sincerity and he didn't see the flaws because he knew if they served, eventually they become pure devotees. And he just saw their heart. Many sincere boys and girls. And it, and when Prabhupada saw the hearts of those devotees in the early days, those boys and girls were pretty messed up. How do I know? I was one of them. You know, just like we didn't know anything. But it's true, we were sincere. We wanted God. We loved Prabhupada. We wanted to serve him. Prabhupada saw that. And that's what what he took as the most valuable thing that we could offer is our sincerity. So I just want to end thinking, you know, we look at ourselves and we think, oh, you know, I'm not, I've been around, you know, decade after decade and still look at me, you know, I'm light years away. It's not how Prabhupada saw it. He saw that, oh, you're sincerely serving. You're pleasing Krishna. You're going back home, back to Godhead. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Srila Prabhupada kī and Go premanandī Hari Hari. Do I have any questions, comments, arguments, debates? At least if we have a debate, it'll wake everybody up. <laughs> right? Something controversial. Hare Krishna. Uh, I was I was wondering about the specific instructions that Srila Prabhupada was giving to Srudakirti. Prabhu and and you mentioned in a letter as well and um, and so there's the book uh, letters uh, letters of the Prabhupada and I've always had this question that because those are specific instructions to the disciple should we not read that book because uh, we might think that it's applicable to us when really it was he was talking to his disciple I got the book Prabhu right here. I don't have to go to Mongol <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I don't have to go on book distribution. Right here. Um, no, we should read those letters, and we should understand the context. Many of those letters are general instructions; they're not specific. So, I think it's kind of obvious if Prabhupada is saying you're my servant, you have to stay with me. Don't don't go to Mongol You would understand. Um, you will also. Um, you will also find instructions will vary as the movement progressed and things changed. So you'll understand that. Oh right, I Prabhupada said this in nineteen sixty-eight. He's saying something else in seventy-six. It's a different movement. He's got more experience in preaching. We're getting more feedback from the devotees. But and you want to hear something really funny? Or I don't know if it's funny, but it's interesting. One devotee was saying well, the highest pramanam, the highest evidence is Prabhupada's books and then the next is the conversations and the third is the letters. Not everyone actually agrees with that. Um, For me, I mean, that may be true academically, but for me the letters are incredibly valuable because they show how Prabhupada was applying the philosophy and I personally really need to understand that. time In the time and situation. Okay, here's the verse, but here's how Prabhupada applies it. But So we were having a discussion, a group of us were having a discussion about this Bhagavatam is the highest evidence. Then secondary is conversations. Then last evidence is the books, which is almost, excuse me, the letters, which is almost like saying, well, you know, it's not really... Can't really take it that importantly. And this devotee had written a book, and so one of the devotees who who really, who really finds the letters to be of essential importance, and doesn't even discriminate between letters, conversations, and this is all Prabhupada, And that's how he feels. That's debatable, but I think it's subjective also because it may be your experience that you know you find the letters or the conversations are the most. Edifying or inspiring. So anyway, so he made the point. He went to this devotee's book and there were like sixty two citations in that book from Prabhupada's letters. So I think what we realized is that that you can say, like kind of more like academically, Bhagavatam is most important than conversant letters, but in but in practice, if you read devotees' books, you will find so many references to letters to establish their points. And I think this devotee didn't realize how much he used Prabhupada's letters, how important those letters were to him in establishing a point. And the reason is, is because he had to use Prabhupada's letters because the topic of his book was not covered that much in Prabhupada's books. It was covered more in letters. Isn't that interesting? Like I'm saying, sometimes there's general instructions and letters which are for everyone. And you know, when I read a letter from 67 68 I understand the context is much different. And I try to discriminate is it contextual or is this actually a you know an absolute instruction which is true forever and if you don't understand just ask another devotee you respect who might know and then uh, you can discuss with them but We've actually we, I, we've had a. I'm part of a group that had a lot of discussion about the letters, and there's like thirty of us in this group, and we just went around. You know, we're saying, are the you know, shouldn't they be printed? I mean, they're on the database, but shouldn't they be reprinted? And just going around and asking everyone, how important are these letters? And everyone says it's so important for me in my in my Krishna consciousness. It's so important. You know, so there may be some things which are not relevant to everyone. I think it should become obvious. They they were discussing some things, Prabhupada's criticizing a devotee. All right, take that out. We don't want to embarrass the devotee. But then, you know, there was a a quote, and Prabhupada said, Why are you publishing the letters? It's not necessary. Um, I don't know the context of that. Like, could be getting in the way of publishing the other books. That could have been a reason. But sometimes Prabhupada would get a question, and he said, "I already answered in a letter. Why aren't those letters distributed? Why are you asking again?" So, yeah. Yes. Then we become perfect, if I understood that correct. Now, Prabhupada, I'm. Not asking... you become perfect. You are perfect already. So, uh, this question is just for myself and not for anybody else. Like Prabhupada says, attend Mangalarti. So, maybe I'm doing, you know, somehow or the other trying to do Mangalarti for six days or five days and I'm missing out on other two days, whether internal anarthas or external reasons. But that way I'm not following Prabhupada completely. Yes. So, one question is, will it still please Prabhupada? And the second question is... Where is the question of perfection? Because I'm not doing it. I'm not following it completely. I'm just trying. um, Yeah, it'll please Prabhupada and you can please him more. You have your whole life ahead of you to please him more and you can become more perfect. So that's the idea. But look at Prabhupada. He couldn't follow the instruction to preach in the West, I think for 43 years. But he didn't forget it. You know, Um, so um sometimes some adjustments are have to be made, you know. Um but as long as you, that's your goal and that's what you want to do, then you're on the path you're perfect and on, also on the path to being more perfect. That's how we see it. Yeah. So the more we can follow Prabhupada the better, for sure. And sometimes it's circumstantial. You can't. I'm in a, I'm in a circumstance, which will change today, but I, I'm up for Mangalartik, but I can't come to the temple. So, you know, it's just circumstantial. I, I will wake people up if I come. So, you know, sometimes like that. So, you know, Prabhupada understands. But your desire, to follow all the instructions as best you can. That's wonderful. Just don't have a nervous breakdown if you can't. Prabhupada, is, you know, Prabhupada understands our struggles and uh, his instructions are there for us. Yes, Dharma. I just
1: want to thank you for.
2: And, and you know, um, maybe we can just underscore this a little more that, you know, the way, the way I see it is like, if Prabhupada works a deal out with Krishna, Krishna, Krishna has to accept the deal. So, 16 rounds, four principles. And, Krishna, you know, you can make a funny play. And, so, Prabhupada goes to Krishna, so, can we cut a deal here? And Krishna goes, okay, what's the deal? And he says, 16 rounds, four principles. And Krishna says, that's too cheap. That's not enough. And, said, and Prabhupada says, but I tried more and they can't do it. And they'll actually do anything I say and they'll spread this movement all over the world. Will you accept it? And Krishna says, well, if that's what you want, then I'll accept it. It's like Nalakuvira Mani Griva. And Prabhupada said, Krishna had no business with Nalukavaramani Griva. They weren't devotees. They were just, you know, playboys. So what, is he, what business does he have liberating playboys? Right? But Narada Muni wanted it. And so that's why Krishna did it. So if Prabhupada works a deal out with Krishna and says, you know, I'm pleased with him. Said, well, if you're pleased with him and this is what you want, okay, I'll do it. So when we see Prabhupada in that light, that like magnifies his greatness so much because we realize, well, if he didn't do that, you know, Prabhupada said, Okay, here's ISKCON, 64 rounds a day, and if you get married, you know, it's like, well, whatever, you know, I won't worry about you. You know, you can go to the dogs, and it's just for brahmacharis. Not even brahmacharinis, just brahmacharis, that's it. That's what Krishna consciousness is for. He didn't do that. And, and he said, no, it's for everybody. Even one time, um, you may know the story, that they wanted to send all the women to Australia, out of sight, out of mind. Right? Australia is like traditionally the place for the criminals, right? The big island for criminals. And no, I, I, no, it wasn't that. It was, it was another one that women with children were living in the temple, and the temple was supporting them. And so the GBC said, "This is an expense that we should not be handling. They should be living outside and maintaining themselves." And Prabhupada he just looked at that resolution and he was silent. And they understood that he didn't like it. So Sastra Ritmarsh said, so Prabhupada, should we delete that resolution? Prabhupada said, I just want to give everyone a chance to be Krishna conscious. So that was Prabhupada's heart. So, you know, disqualification, that really didn't matter. He was, he was ready to say, Krishna, you know, Take them, they're sincere. So I think that's important for many reasons, philosophically, but also practically, because we are way more sincere than we are qualified. And I think that's better than being way more qualified and less sincere. Nahi kalyana kashcid durgatin tattagatsyati One who does good is never overcome by evil. So the sincere devotee is well-situated. For sure. And so, the greatest, and, and what, what, as I was saying, what we saw with Prabhupada is if a devotee was sincere, Prabhupada was pleased. And if you talk to any spiritual master now, and say, you know, your disciple, they're kind of, you know, they don't do this, and they don't do that, and do are know no, so many shlokas, and, but the guru will say, but they'll do anything I say. They're sincere. I love them. You know, and this other one, you know, he's he's very strict in this and that. But sometimes he's a little proud and I give him an instruction and he doesn't follow. Who's the guru gonna be more inclined towards, naturally? So Prabhupada was willing to, you know, be our advocate. And Krishna has to accept what the guru's what his pure devotees wants. He has to. So and therefore we can understand only a pure devotee, you had to send a devotee of Prabhupada's caliber to the West. Because you had to have an advocate on our part. And if you didn't, Krishna's going to say, no, 64 rounds, brahmachari, this and that. Then it's not going to work. So that's, I think that's an important distinction in glorifying Prabhupada. No, it couldn't have just been anybody. And I also believe that some devotees may not have had that mentality. They may have been more strict than Prabhupada. No, you must do this, 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 and this. Otherwise, we can't advocate on your behalf. So Prabhupada was willing to advocate. And even some of the disciples didn't chant 16 rounds. And Prabhupada said, what can I do? And you know that story. I went to Makasya Maharaj, told Prabhupada, I'm so disturbed here in Juhu, I can't chant my rounds. And Prabhupada said, "Either I can't, my mind's, too disturbed, I can't chant properly. And Prabhupada said, "I can't either." <laughs> you know that story. My mind, probably, yeah. he said, "My mind's too disturbed with all that's going on to chant properly." And Prabhupada said, "Me too." And then he told to Mahatma. He said, "You know, just give this one life to spread Krishna consciousness. Lord Chaitanya will take you back to Godhead." So it was like Prabhupada was was showing us: it's not like we have to be paka paka paka. Sadhu sadhu for a million lifetimes before we can make it. But you you give yourself to the mission of helping other people. Lord Chaitanya will say, You're my man, let's go. Get get in the chariot, we're going. Me? You're taking me. Yeah. You gave your life to this. You're going. You yeah, know. So that that also plays into it. And I you know, we can see that Prabhupada saw that. You're dedicated your life to to giving Krishna to others how can i forget you how can i leave you back and so and that was something that was easy for us to do we liked doing it uh, more or less i don't know 99% but Um, Well, I think we all realize we're highly disqualified. But our one qualification overrides all the disqualifications. We're sincere and we'll follow Prabhupada. You know... People will leave for different reasons, but they may not leave Christian consciousness. They may they may leave the institution for different reasons. That's unfortunate. But even if that happens, it's not that that they're not dear to Prabhupada. I think it's more like they're not dear to us anymore. <laughs> but it's, you know, because we have, we have the story of Sita Sarup, who left. He didn't leave Prabhupada, but he left ISKCON during Prabhupada's presence. And devotees were upset about it. They complain. And Prabhupada just said, you know, leave him alone. He's he's my disciple and he's they're following, they're chanting, so just So, you know, it's like you have a daughter, and your daughter, when she grows up, may do something, and the body says, You know, your daughter's doing this and just like, I know, you know. Oh you know, but you still love her. It's not like you know, she's still your daughter. She loves you. You love her. So, oh, I have a story for you. Okay, this is the creme de la creme de la creme de la creme de la creme of the class. This is an amazing story. Prabhupada had a servant. I won't mention his name. Protect the. Yes. Prabhupada didn't like us mentioning devotees who deviated. It's just anyway, you wouldn't know this devotee, but he was Prabhupada's servant, and Prabhupada early on gave him sannyas. And um, he, I believe he went to India with that first group of devotees. And later on he left, and and as often happens, when a devotee leaves, especially in the early days of ISKCON, they just go back to doing what they used to do, and what were they doing before. You know, they were hippies, so you know what hippies do. So the They'd go back into the hippie life lifestyle, you know, make up for lost time. You know, I spent three years as a devotee, I could have taken a lot of LSD and had a lot of, you know, this and that. I gotta make up for, you know, three years I lost, you yeah. know. So that's basically what he was doing. Um, he may, I think he was even eating meat, although that's rare when a devotee leaves, as I remember the story. So, but still, this devotee was, he was American, he was living in England, and he would come to the restaurant, Soho Street. And one devotee who knew him would meet him, and she would talk to him, and she was like his only friend in his because when a devotee deviates like that, sometimes devotees just don't want to be friends with such people, or that, or they didn't know him from the early days. She knew him, so he's coming. They're friends. He's not, you know, really. That in, interested in Krishna consciousness anymore, and he's still not following the principles. And then while they're in the restaurant one day, Prabhupada drives up to the temple, and she says, Prabhu, or whatever she said, Prabhupada's here, let's go see him. And, and he's, you know, obviously embarrassed. Like, I don't really want to. No, no, let's go, let's go. You know, it's like, okay, you know, Prabhupada, you know, okay, he's my spiritual master after all. So Prabhupada gets out of the car and I think she says, Prabhupada, so and so and so is so and so is here. And Prabhupada goes up to him. And he used to be Prabhupada's cook. And he says, And Prabhupada goes right up to him and says, So, so and so, you will cook for me? And then devotee said, But Prabhupada, he's eating meat and he's, you know, illicit sex, intoxication. And Prabhupada says, So you will cook for me? And he said, Yes, Prabhupada. Wow. All you can say is, Wow. What kind of mercy is that? Like, is that mercy? Because he is my disciple. If he does service, I will accept it, he will benefit. Wow. Prabhupada was willing to accept the service of a fallen disciple who would cook. You know, it's not like, okay, come and, you know, clean the room. Cooking. Don't eat food cooked by non devotees. Wow. That's Prabhupada. And I've often thought that you know how many Vaishnavas living in India at Prabhupada's time could come and do that kind of thing? One of Prabhupada's godbrothers says, I can't even associate with those people. They're, I would feel uncomfortable, what to speak of taking their cooking from a fallen disciple. And you may know the story when when uh, Prabhupada's disciples first came to India, one of his godbrothers would not eat the prasadam because he said he didn't think they were really Vaishnavas. And the devotees in the last day said, Prabhupada, you know, you had to associate with us. We're so sorry, you know, you gave up all association of your godbrothers. And he said, No. I love your association. You're the best association. You're all sincere devotees. So Prabhupada loved us, somehow or other, because we were sincere. And if Prabhupada loves you, don't berate yourself. What, what's the point? If he loves you, love your, you love yourself also. Actually, I gave class on this topic last night. If he loves you, who are you not to love yourself? Love yourself like Prabhupada loved you.
0: Accept yourself as he did. Hare Krishna. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry it was it is so such a nice class you are giving and one point which is coming to my mind is there is uh, you know the affectionate aspect in our movement and then there is the organizational aspect in our movement and in in the early days like it was as you are saying like you know it was like a family and affection was at the center and we would organize around that and as time is moving ahead, like, as the moment is growing big and big, there is organizational aspect and that personal aspect. So how, you know, how do you maintain your... Personal. Personal
2: aspect. Uh, I think we can all answer that question ourselves. Just ask yourself that question and contemplate it. How... Can I maintain personal? Uh, I would say the question is personal affection and concern
0: for devotees.
2: How can I maintain it? Um, ask yourself the question, and you'll get the answer. Krishna will show you. You know, you ever see a devotee? And um, oh, I'll give you an answer. I mean, that I think that's a better answer. But I will give you an answer. It's a very interesting answer. They did a study on what makes a good team member. And what they found is that the best team members are the most sensitive to how other people feel. Isn't that interesting? So it's like maybe I see you one day and I look at your face and I could see something's wrong. And I go up to you and say, Prabhu, is everything okay? You look upset, right? Have you ever seen the face of a devotee that looks upset and you've never said anything? Or you see a devotee and it's just it's like they need help or something, you know, or they're kind of limping, or, you know, and you just go, oh, what's wrong? And they tell you, and you just, okay, I'm sorry to hear that, and you walk walk away. It's like, you know, not like, do you need anything? Or, you know, what can I do to help you? You know, can I carry this for you? Or do you need prasadam? You know. You know, it's just if you ask yourself how sensitive am I to the needs of others, then you start realizing you know, there's a lot to be sensitive to that we're not sensitive to. There's a lot of devotees who are suffering who need help or need, a, or need just someone to listen to, someone to talk to who won't judge them. So, um, we have one god sister Ramburu and she coined the term radical personalism. And she developed this program at the Sunday Feast where she has a tent, and the tent is, I don't know what she calls it, maybe she calls it the listening tent. She said, do you need someone to listen to you? And you come in the tent, and you just talk, and she just listens. Tell me, you know, what do you want to talk about? I'll just listen. So sometimes caring is just listening. Somebody's upset. Do you need someone to talk to? Um I'm dealing with a devotee now, who, who needed someone to talk to, and I understood the, the the situation of this devotee better than the people she was talking to because they didn't understand, so she couldn't actually talk to them. And she would say, "Thank you, I needed someone who understood this." And by listening, she, she clarified her thinking. So little things like that, you know, being sensitive to how other people feel. This is this is scientific scientific data. This is what makes a team member. And it's true in the military, it's true in a corporation, in a family, anywhere. And and they gave a study that they said one military battalion, I think in Afghanistan or something, they were so good at this that they defeated they defeated an army that was like eight times bigger than them. There was like no way they would have won. But because they were so synced together and feeling one another, and they totally disobeyed the order of the general because it was the wrong thing to do. And the general, he understood. They feel, feel one another so much, he understood they wouldn't disobey unless there was a reason. And they won the battle. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so... being sensitive to the needs of others is, you know, I think that's radical personalism. Right? Judging is not radical personalism. It's pretty much radical. I don't know what you want to call it. I don't know if you want to call it impersonalism, but it's... What would you call it, Dharma? Radical hurt, something like that. Okay. It may be my fault that there's no prasadam left, so please forgive me. If you go in and it's all been eaten, I think there's a bunch of devotees who go, fantastic, Ma boo's giving class today. We'll have all, they won't come in till nine o'clock. We can eat it all ourselves. Yeah. So, you have to excuse me if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aanga nitananda What is Krishna?